in the name of God, the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. Amen. When we were raising our children, we had a sign in our family room that stated, Be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. Many times when our children were growing up, that sign gave me pause. Actually, God isn't finished with any of us yet. We are still learning and growing, struggling with good and evil, experiencing successes and failures. We want, at this time of great insecurity and fear, and fear to see and feel God's presence. We search and hunger for a definitive sign. I believe we see it in the faces and the tears of first responders when violence occurs, and in the moments of prayer and solidarity after senseless killings, and in the outpouring of love and caring from around the world. God weeps with those who weep. It reminds me of the man whose only son was killed in the war. And when his minister got there, the man cried out to him in anger, Where was your God when my son was killed? The minister was silent for a moment and then replied, I guess the same place God was when God's own son was killed. It is to Jesus' life that we must turn when we have doubts and our faith gets shaky. And remember that we are not beyond the reach of God's power and God's love, even when we don't feel it or see it. God's kingdom is established by Jesus, who assures us that in the end, justice will prevail. And it is Jesus who brings salvation to all people through his suffering, death, and resurrection. So what does the story of Jacob's dream tell us about God's presence and our faith? Jacob, the son of Isaac and Abraham, grandson of Abraham, has fled from his home because he has stolen his brother's birthright and deceived his own father. And he stopped for the night and he falls asleep using a stone for a pillow. And he has a dream. He sees a ladder extending from earth to heaven with angels ascending up and down, indicating a connection between heaven and earth. Indeed, a message from God to God's people. Knowing what he had done, Jacob probably wondered about God's judgment upon him and wanted to get as far away from God as he could. But instead... God confirms that the blessing of Abraham and Isaac is now for him. It is completely God's initiative. Jacob has done absolutely nothing to deserve God's covenant promises. It is all God's grace. God assures Jacob that God is with him wherever he goes. Jacob a man, on, a man on the run is transformed by God's grace into the new leader of God's people. Implicit in the story of Jacob is the ever-present possibility of redemption.
for Jacob and down through the ages for you and me here today. In the parable of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus addresses evil and good. How do we handle evil today? Jesus says that evil, represented by the weeds, is a force to be reckoned with, and he offers guidance on how to be in a complicated world. And while we wait for God's judgment on the last day, how are we to live in this world now, today? How do we reconcile good and evil? Jesus cautions that the way to discipleship will be filled with hardship, frustration, and failures, and that one of the greatest temptations in the life of the Christian is that of discouragement. Rowan Williams, who was the former Archbishop of Canterbury, was at Trinity Church Wall Street on 9-11, and he wrote a book about it called Writing in the Dust. And he tells the story of being stopped in the street in New York the morning after 9-11 by a youngish man who turned out to be an airline pilot and who wanted to know where God was during, what was God doing when the planes hit the towers. He said, and the archbishop said, there was no clearer answer than there ever is. Any really outrageous human action tests to the limit our careful theological principles about God's refusal to interfere with created freedom. That God has made a world into which God doesn't casually step in to solve problems is fairly central to a lot of our Christian faith. God has made the world so that evil choices can't just be frustrated or aborted. Where would God stop, for goodness sake? God would have to be intervening every instant of human history, but have to be confronted and suffered and taken forward, healed in the complex process of human history, always in collaboration with what we do and what we say and what we pray. Healed in the process of human history, always in collaboration with what we do and say and pray. If we pull out the weeds prematurely, that healing process, or we might call it our sanctification time, may be damaged in the process. Praying for healing for ourselves, others, and for our world is a powerful antidote against evil. The followers of Jesus were and continue to be a mixed group. The world is made up of all people in their infinite variety and variation of responses. Life is a bewildering mixture of wheat and weeds, good and evil, and it does require patience on our part. Indeed, God isn't finished with us yet. Some of the time, it is hard to figure out. Good and evil do exist side by side, and Jesus reminds us that the good and the bad are intermingled and that we must live cooperatively for the good of all and that we can leave all judgment up to God. We all know that we have the capacity to think bad thoughts or do bad things, 
The important thing is that we do not act on them, and we can only do that with God's help. By grounding ourselves in prayer, building a solid foundation upon which to grow and mature in our faith journeys. That foundation is called healing. The word heal comes from the Middle English healing, meaning to become whole and sound, body, mind, and spirit. Living in the midst of the wheat and the weeds presents us with the opportunity for healing to take place. Over the years, praying with those who come for prayer, either for themselves or loved ones, I have witnessed firsthand healing and wholeness and change. Not only physical, it's not only about physical cure, but restoring the wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. And I've seen changes in attitudes. So what we see today isn't necessarily what we're going to get tomorrow. We are all participating with varying degrees of resistance and consent in the faith journey that Jesus has already walked. Hatred, hunger, injustice, violence, sickness, grief, and loss are concrete indicators that signal that we cannot wait until death for this resurrection living because we are resurrection people right here today. We need it now. We need to draw on the freedom that comes from love and joy and patience and kindness. A palpable sense of God's presence insists that a divine spirit is undergirding our human experience, especially in our most difficult hours. Paul and Jacob understood this only too well. Paul spoke about out of his personal hardships and emphatically into the situation of the church's persecution. He himself was persecuting Christians when he was converted. And Jacob, having lied and deceived, was transformed, not by anything that he did, but by God's grace. In the common bond of suffering, we unite with all of creation. What can unfold in our redemptive journey is that we move into a spirit of freedom, of faith, and of hope. It is no longer all up to us, but we do have to play a part in it. It's like a large oak tree with a thick poison ivy vine that has invaded its branches, slowly strangling it. The spirit cuts the vine at the ground level. The vine still remains and causes some trouble, but it is in the process of dying, while the tree is freed to get healthier, to be healed and transformed. The Holy Spirit takes over our desire center that says, now what is the least I can do to still make it to heaven, and replaces it with, what can I do to say thank you to the one who loves me and has already saved me? The Spirit reveals to us the nature of God. Sanctification is a process, a lifetime process, undergirding all of life, and it doesn't happen overnight. Not only is it hard to see and judge our own advancement in sanctification or our movement toward transformation, 
It is also difficult to look into someone else's life and see if the spirit is at work. No one knows what's on another person's heart. We can leave all judgment to God. Good and evil do exist side by side in this life, and evil things happen that we have no control over. And it is the spirit who strengthens us in times of trial and suffering, and we need to do our part to ground ourselves in the love of Jesus. God does not leave us alone. Evil will prevail. And like Paul, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, remembering that God isn't finished with us. I'd like to close with an old Quaker prayer. Art thou in darkness? Mind it not, lest it doth feed thee more. But stand still, act not, have patience until the light shines out of the darkness and feeds thee. Amen.